You know how they say some things are timeless? The interview you're about to hear is exactly that, timeless. And I think it deserves another listen. And if you've never heard this interview before, you're in for a real treat. Please enjoy this interview rewind. What I find is many people, as you say, they get ready to fix a tune, to do something, and then they use up all the time, and then they didn't actually contact anybody. And so this just this uh, personal accountability is, is very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. Hey guys, thank you for joining me here on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate it. I appreciate you tuning in. If you've never listened to the show before, welcome. I hope you love it. I hope we knock it out of the park and you never miss another episode for the rest of your life. For those of you who have listened to the show before and are getting something out of it, a rating and review would be so appreciated. It means more to us podcasters than you could ever know. So if you can go give me a rating review on on iTunes or wherever you listen, Stitcher, wherever you listen to the podcast, that would be awesome. Uh, Really appreciate it. Today... I have a true rock star on the show, and that's no hyperbole, no exaggeration. She is an absolute rock star in real estate. She's been doing it for a long time. Her name is Karen Briscoe, uh, and she is the principal owner of the Huckabee Briscoe Conroy Group with Keller Williams. The HBC Group has been recognized by the Wall Street Journal as one of the 250 top realtor teams in the United States since 1977. HBC Group has sold over 1,500 homes valued at, valued at over $1.5 billion, with a B, billion dollars. The team consistently sells over 100 residential properties annually, ranging from multi-million dollar luxury estates to condominiums and townhomes. Primary, uh, primary markets include North Virginia, uh, suburban Maryland, and Washington, D.C. Karen is the creator of the transformative five-minute success concept. Her book, Real Estate Success in Five Minutes a Day, Secrets of a Top Agent, Revealed, uh, and Commit to Get Leads 66-Day Challenge offers a combination of information and inspiration delivered through memorable stories. Her most recent book, Flip Time, Love Life, is a heroine's journey tale about loving the life that you have while you create and co-create the life of your dreams. Karen also hosts the highly rated and immensely popular 5-Minute Success, the podcast. So check her out there. Guys, this was a fun interview. She knows she knows her stuff. She's been in this for a long time. I got to talk to her a little bit about what she thinks the future of real estate's going to be, especially after this whole COVID-19 thing. So she gave us her insights there. Um, just a lot of good, just packed with good, good, good stuff in this episode. So I hope you enjoy it. Check it out. And it is my distinct pleasure to introduce to you Karen Briscoe. All right, Karen, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you agreeing to be on my show. Thank you. Well, Mike, who doesn't want to just start real estate? I'm all in for that. <laughs> Great. Thank you. That's a, I'm gonna have to, I should have laughed over you there. I, got, I had a promo all ready to go. Um, so 
I was really excited uh, when, when we found you um, because not only are you a successful podcaster, you have some great books that I want to dive into subject matter on that. But before we do, let's give people a little bit more context. We definitely read your credentials and, and everyone knows what you're about right now, but let's maybe dial this back a little bit. Uh, I know you've been in real estate a while. What got you involved in real estate? Why, why did you do that to begin with? Well, I started out in dirt uh, right out of college okay. and working for a real estate developer, Trammell Crow, in Dallas, Texas, and the development far- firm would buy land and we'd put in streets and utilities and sell lots to home builders. And that was a great entry into dirt. Like I said, I met my husband, married, we had our two children, and his career took us to the Washington, D.C. metro region. And I was the primary caregiver for over a decade, about a dozen years, because of his, my husband's position was required a lot of travel and, and I actually wanted to be home. It was a very, it was a privilege. But when I was ready to re-enter the workforce, I wanted to get back into dirt. Well, the challenge with development is it's usually far out reaches, right? Of suburban areas. And that just wasn't lifestyle choice that I wanted at the time with kids still at home. So I went to work for the Nextel, which is telecom company, Mm -hmm. working for the Starbucks company doing the real estate. Okay. The one company now, which company? For uh, Nextel. Well, it's a Roger Starbucks company. I was going to say, you just blew past that. I don't know if you noticed, I'm drinking out of a a Cowboys Ah, cup here. Ah, you're a Cowboy, so you know. Yeah, you said Starbucks company. And I'm like, wait a minute, he is in real estate. That's right. He is. Well, he said sold to Jones Langlaisal. But at the time, uh, we we managed the sales engineering warehouse offices. And it was in the early 2000s. And if you remember your history, that was during the tech bust. And the thing I've discovered in real estate after multiple decades now in the business is that there is no money at disposition. And so <laughs> Stahlbach lost the account and I would have had to go to work for Nextel. And I had my license because Nextel wanted me to be licensed, Stahlbach did. And so my neighbor actually was a residential real estate agent. He said, well, why don't you do residential? And there is actually kind of a perception on the commercial side that the commercial people do the hard side and the residential people do the soft side. I wasn't quite so sure I wanted to go to the other side, but I wasn't sure. Why not? And it turned out I have a real affinity for both sides. The, what they call the hard side of real estate or the negotiation skills, strategy, you know, structuring financial deals, that kind of thing. And then the soft side of the relationship side, working with people and on the residential side, there is quite a bit of emotion involved often because people are going through some sort of stress in addition, usually to buying or selling a house. Investors, not so much. They usually can look at it, but I've even found attorneys and commercial real estate brokers when they're buying and selling their own home, they, they still take it personally. (laughs) Yeah. So I immediately met with success. I was technically rookie of the year and and, uh, saw that there was a lot of opportunity on the residential side. And one of the top agents in the country at the time, she was number 10, Sue Huckabee, uh, was in our office and she asked me to join her team and we became partners in 06. And then sadly, she passed away in 08. So... In 08, you may remember, was also when the financial market crash and the beginning of the real estate crash, correction. And I set about rebuilding the business. Uh, My current partner, Lizzie Conroy, joined me in 2009, moved the group over to Keller Williams. And again, rebuilt it back up to top rankings. Our team is consistently ranked in the top 100 
uh, teams with Keller Williams out of 180,000 agents. I like to say it gets harder and harder to do <laughs> the more there are, but we yeah. keep performing. And what happens when people achieve at a high level over and over again, people want to know how you do it, right? Yep. Yep. So that led to me doing a lot of coaching and speaking and training. And then that led to the writing of the books and the, the five minute success podcast. All right. I want to go back for a minute because uh, things that I really get, get uh, excited about and really love digging into is, and, and we don't just spend tons and tons of time, but I'm really curious. And, and I, I know I have a, a large uh, realtor uh, listenership in my, in my podcast. You said you started off and you immediately had success. Uh, you were rookie of the year. Why do you think that is? What did you do differently than some of these folks who have been doing it a while? What, what did you do right? What, what led to that kind of early success? Well, you see, you asked the same question that led to the book. Um, so <laughs> the commit to get leads. So business development, prospecting, lead generation. I even have the very first week I was in business and I had a very low tech way of keeping track. It was in uh, 2002. It was the year after 9-11, which was a challenging time to sell sure. real estate. It was particularly in our market area because we were hit by the Washington DC metro region was impacted significantly by sure. the events. And I took a, a, just a plain notebook and wrote one, two, three, four, five, all the way to 25. And once I talked to uh, 25 people that week, I knew I had talked to enough people. And I have consistently done that since that August of 2002. And a few times have adjusted and adapted that um, in terms of numbers. But as a general rule, that has been my plan. And it was really that consistency uh, which is what jump-started the business and yeah. kept it kept it growing and going. And so now, of course, I have thousands of client, past clients and transactions. And But the, the thing is, is I do believe that it's important for me and any producer to continue to lead generate. And, and this is why. I think there's – I'm sure you've heard of the law of attraction. Yeah. The law of attraction to me is I am sending out into the universe this desire – to help people with their real estate needs. And it isn't often the exact same person that comes back to me, but it, there's something about this energy that goes out that then people come to me. And there wasn't one period of time people asked me, did you, have you ever stopped? And I said, yes, I did take a three month sabbatical when I was writing my first book. It was during the uh, fourth quarter of 2015 when the second half of the Dodd-Frank legislation was being implemented and the trig guidelines were put in place. I was like, oh, the market's going to slow down anyhow. I'll just yeah. not lead generate. Yeah. And I woke up to January 1st with no business in the pipeline. <laughs> and I, so I double time. So I actually made up for it and then had our best year ever. So I am a firm believer that that consistent lead generation and that commitment is what has led to my success. Well, I, I want to say one thing. I, I, always, I get this a lot because I do a lot of speaking and some coaching and, and I've talked to a lot of um, newer real estate folks. And a lot of times when people are starting out, especially when they're starting out, they want to look for the real high tech, super automated bells and whistles like software or system for capturing leads and tracking. And I get it. There's a time and a place and some people that works. But the reality is, just pulling out that notebook, like they always say like the best system is the one you use, right? So had someone given you some software that it, it would take a, a month to learn, you know, you probably wouldn't have been as successful as at keeping track of things that you, that you were when you just pull out a notebook. So I always tell people like, don't, don't overstress about 
the software that you're using because chances are it's going to take you a while to learn it. It's not going to be exactly what you want. You're going to end up defaulting back to a spreadsheet or a notebook or something. Like that's fine to start with. And as you grow and you know, like for you right now, it probably would be uh, impossible to, to track all of your leads and all of the people that you're talking to and dealing with in a notebook or even a spreadsheet. Like you need some sort of, I, I would think some sort of software, but uh, regardless, when you're starting off, don't overthink it. Like just go out, like it's the, it's the work, it's the consistency in the work, as you said, more so than, than the software and the tools and all the, you know, things that people try to incorporate cause they're, they're overthinking it. And honestly, I think a lot of times that's an excuse to not actually do the work. They spend time preparing to do the work. That's what I find. And that's why I call it activity blocking rather than time blocking. Yeah. And I do incorporate a, a contact a relationships management, a CRM program. Mm -hmm. So the tracking of that I'm doing activities is just on a plain calendar because I, I think there is something powerful about the writing it down. Yeah. Uh, but then it's also in a contact relationships management sure. software program. So I know when I last contacted that individual person, but the um, idea to commit to a certain number of contacts, touches, reaches out, whatever you want to call it a day is the key fundamental of this because you can track that. What I find is many people, as you say, they get ready to fix a two to do something and yeah. then they use up all the time and then they didn't actually contact anybody. Yeah. And so this just this uh, personal accountability is, is very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to talk uh, about your uh, the real estate success in five minutes a day strategy. How does that work? What does it mean? I, I know people are probably thinking five minutes a day, you can't get anything done. That's ridiculous. Like, how does that work? And, and why did you write like, your first book, right, about that? So what happened is in the speaking, coaching, training, people invariably told me they didn't have enough time to do personal business development. And I said, well, do you have five minutes a day? And it's truly a fundamental of, it's called Parkinson's Law, where limiting and restricting time actually helps people become more effective and efficient. I know you've experienced this because it's the phenomenon that happens the day before you go on vacation. You get a lot of things done, right? With a lot of people is this idea of, you know, training sometimes it's like the tsunami level. It's just so much information that they don't really take in any of it and they don't apply it. Yeah. And information or inspiration that's not applied is just entertainment, right? Yeah, exactly. So the way the five minutes a day is set up is that it's a daily reader and that's a lot of inspirational and motivational religious literature has been in a daily reader format, but this is a business book. And the idea is every day you commit to the five minutes to reading a page, you'll get a takeaway on one of the key fundamentals of the five minute success, because you're more likely to remember it because you're only focusing on that amount of material every day, you can put it into practice when you need it. So the, the first component we talked about is commit to get leads because really truly anybody in sales or any type of profession until you have a customer or a client, you really don't have anything to do. So that is your job. Yep. Then there is the conversion process of taking that customer client through the process. I call that consult to sell in five minute success. What often happens with salespeople, entrepreneurs, they get stuck on this hamster wheel or this roller coaster where they're only as good as their neck deal, right? <laughs> they, get, they get a lead and they get real busy and then they quit lead generating and then yeah. they wake up and they, they got to do it all over again, right? Yep. Create scale and an ongoing sustainable enterprise, which we touched on a little bit. The whole CRM process is a, a connect, build, and grow. It creates the leverage that you need in order to sure. you know, be able to carry on a business. 
And then there's this motivational mindset component, which I call success thinking activities and vision. And that encompasses everything. There's a lot of overlap. Some of the concepts co- you know, cover multiple of those themes or principles. And the idea is by, again, the delivery system of being one a day or five minutes, I have found it to be so powerful because people, it, first of all, breaks down their time barrier of I don't have enough time because yeah. everybody says they have five minutes a day. Sure. Yeah, I, I think that's cool because I think I have seen this and I've been guilty of this. I'm not going to try to project this out into the world and act like I've never done it. But I do, I've used that excuse. Like when there's something I want to get done in my business or even a personal life and I don't have time, I'll say I don't have time for a month. But the reality is if I had taken five minutes a day, that would have compounded into getting a lot done, right? But sometimes people feel like, and I think they do this with even starting a business or get, doing anything, right? It's so daunting in the beginning that you just go, I don't, have to, I don't have a week to start my business. I can't just take a week off of work. But the reality is if you just a little bit each day, you know, you'll get there and people use that as a convenient excuse. So I love that idea. Do you have five minutes a day? Have you ever had anyone say, no, I don't? That's the crazy thing. Everybody says they do. Yeah. And if they don't, then there's often something else going on. Uh, there's a quote by Lazu uh, who says, uh, time is a created thing. To say, I don't have time is like saying, I don't want to. So if somebody doesn't want to invest five minutes a day into their personal or business development, then they don't really want to be yep. successful. Yep. So that's, you know, like, okay, yeah. now you're really telling me that you really don't want to. Totally. Because people do what they they want to do and they often yep. use the excuses of busy or not enough time, but there are ways to overcome, create the habits for success for that. Yeah, no doubt. If someone, if you follow that person around for a day, you would easily find five minutes that they were not doing anything productive or useful to anybody, including themselves. Um, I love that. Let's, let's talk about lead gen a little bit because I love I love that you're so focused on it. Your your book, Commit to um, Getting Leads, your 66-Day Challenge. I love that because I always tell people, and I think this isn't really in any business, but we're, we're talking about real estate. So I always say leads to me are like oxygen to your business. If you don't have leads coming in, you're literally, it's like not taking a breath. Like you, you can't do that for very long, nor should you. You need, and, and I think really, I learned this a long time ago too, when you least feel like you need to lead gen, that's when you most need to do it because of the, the whole peaks and valleys, right? You stopped for three months, you came back, there, were, there was nothing. You had nothing in the pipeline, right? When, you, when things are going great and you have tons of, of activity, you, you're at a peak, right? And if you don't want a deep valley, you really need to lead gen right then. That's when you need to de- develop the most amount of leads you're getting. So let's, can, we, can you talk about, explain what that the 66-day challenge is and how, how that whole lead gen operation works for you? Well, that's really powerful where you shared about it being like oxygen. I totally agree with you. The 66-day challenge is a lot like this idea of breaking down people's barriers to the five-minute success because the idea of building a habit, creating habit, there's been a lot of research on it, and the most commonly cited is the 66 days. You may hear people say 21 days. What happens in the first 21 days or the first three weeks of most habit formation is people are really excited. They're enthusiasts, right? I mean, think about somebody who just got a Peloton or started a Whole30 diet or whatever. They are on charge and they are hot. What happens is, is the next three weeks or 21 days is when people start to evaluate whether they really want to do it or not. Yeah. Right. This is yeah. where the, the diet drops off or they started hanging the clothes on the Peloton instead of riding it. And so, 
that's the, often the dip, and that's where you may remember the book uh, Seth Godin wrote Dip. Yeah, that's yep. where really it's important to power through to create that energy, that momentum to get through that dip because yeah. most people are going to experience this. So that's why it's a commitment and yeah. that's why it's a 66 day challenge. So you're evaluating it, but you wanted to, you know, create that energy to come to power through it. And then that final segment that lasts 21 plus days that gets you to the 66 days, those are, are really when people start to experience the benefits of it. Yeah. So by then you should be experiencing the benefits of having a consistent oxygen source, right? <laughs> yeah. And you're going to see, wow, this really works. Uh, just like energy that's, you know, from exercising and eating well, you start to experience the benefits of, of it after a couple of months. Yeah. The thing is, is that it's a challenge. The idea is lead generation is a habit formation mm -hmm. that successful salespeople and entrepreneurs commit to. And just uh, James Clear wrote a book called Atomic Habits, and I interviewed him for the 5-Minute Success podcast. And he said, well, just like any habit that you want in your life, you don't stop at 66 days. That's the challenge to get you jump-started, to get it into habit formation, yeah. just like flossing your teeth or other good habits that you want in your life, you're committing to it. And that's, I, that's why I say I have consistently lead generated since August of 2002 when I started on the residential side. That is something I, I'm just going to do yeah. continuously. Yeah. So how, if, if, I don't, if you don't mind my asking, getting a little bit into the technique, Right now, 2020, as we record this, it is the end of May, 2020. In your business, where, where is lead generation happening most successfully? How, how, are you, how does that look in, you, in your business? What's the best lead gen strategy that you guys are utilizing now if it's not too much of a secret sauce? Oh, well, I think this is probably something other people if you do to success as well. I, I mostly, uh, business comes from my sphere past clients, referrals. Okay. The connection with them is what is the key aspect to it. I do a lot of note writing. So I okay. actually get, believe it or not, I'm a podcaster, but I get nervous on the phone. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm more of a low key person. The point is, is to make a connection. Uh, we've also started a campaign with our team called We Live Here, We Work Here, We Give Back Here. Hmm. And we've always had a commitment to the community and been living in the community for a long time, but we have launched this campaign of videos where we are sending out messages to our community on a, a consistent basis, particularly during the COVID-19. We had a lot of people that were wanting to know what was going on in the market and how we were addressing and handling uh, concerns. And that proved to be very valuable in terms of staying connected uh, to the, the community. I find paying attention to people and where they are in their lives. Uh, there's a, a life cycle to housing yep. and where people are in that life cycle. You know, most people start out living at home <laughs> and then yep. they, they go off and go to either college or start their first job or they get in a relationship. They usually get a dog. We call these the D's, the, the diploma, the, uh, the dog. Um, then they often have diamonds. They get married. Yep. Then there's diapers. Uh, then there's <laughs> more children usually or a larger income, wanting more space. We're seeing a lot of that right now, people wanting more space because of uh, physical distancing and everything. Yeah. And then they 
Then there's often on the other end the downsizing that can occur. Uh, there's the other D's that we find often people buy and sell houses with, and that's when there's a divorce or a death. Yeah. Um, then also debt. So we saw a lot of real estate transactions take place, obviously, in the last market correction, and we may see that in this one as well. Yeah. So we just pay attention. Yeah. Um, you know, there is predictive analytics, and, and we have used those programs to help us pay attention to what's going on in our customers and clients' lives, our past clients' lives and the people we know. Uh, but we also just pay attention. I pay attention to when somebody's having a life event and I reach out to them on how I could be of assistance with their, their real estate needs. Yeah, you know, it's funny. A lot. I know a lot of people listening to this are way into automation because I talk about it in my business and things like that. But I'll tell you what, I had a friend of mine uh, write me a personal note and mail it to me in the actual mailbox. And that had a profound impact. Like it felt very meaningful to open that up and read a handwritten note. You know what I mean? It's like surprise, surprise, like notes and, and handwritten stuff make a difference. People notice that it's a, it's different than anyone can shoot a text. It's easy, right? An email or something, but to get a handwritten card is is pretty awesome. So I, I think that's a good message for folks. Um, you mentioned, COVID-19, what's happening right now in the world. Um, and we chatted for a second before we hopped on here about the, some of the differences of where you live and where I live and some of the restrictions and things like that. And I, I'm really curious. I, I ask people a lot, especially now who, who've been coming on my show, very few people that have been on my show have the experience and the success you've had over time. What, and I know nobody has a crystal ball, so nobody's holding you to this, but what, what do you see coming in the next 12 to 24 months in terms of real estate, the market, seller market, buyer market, home values, things like that. What do you think the, the, the real estate market will look like over the next year or two, in your opinion? Well, I think home is going to mean even more to people uh, because, you know, the whole idea of shelter in place and safe at home and yep. that type of thing is really going to be more meaningful. People are going to be mindful of the spaces in their, their home more than they used to be um, because now home is becoming many more things than it was before uh, in terms of many people are, you know, tele telecommuting from home, working from home, homeschooling, yep. <laughs> exercising at home, entertainment at home. Uh, so they're looking for that type of either flex spaces or ways to use spaces. We're also seeing more desire for drop zones because people are having, you know, preparing more in terms sure. of keeping. Uh, so those are some of the trends we're seeing. There was a, a trend towards urbanization and walkability and, and, you know, nightlife and restaurants and everything. We're seeing a trend towards suburbia um, and more space and land. That's actually what happened after 9-11 as well. Uh, yeah. People really wanted their own sanctuary, pools, more yards is, is more desirable than having yep. amenities uh, that they go to. So that I think is actually going to be beneficial for our market area because we're in suburban Northern Virginia outside the Washington, D.C. metro region. Yep. Uh, I think that we're going to see uh, a, as what happened after 9-11, uh, I think we're going to see a buildup of a couple of areas. One is airline um, travel is going to have a need for how they're going to, just like TSA was created with 9-11 for security, we're going to see probably something similar 
yeah. uh, for the safety of health of people that are that are traveling. And then also just the whole idea of a, we have health and human services and we have NIH, but we're probably going to need some sort of administrative umbrella that oversees this type of, of sure. health event. So our market area, we're anticipating uh, a positive market. Uh, we're also in the HQ2 Amazon, which has been booming. Um, so we anticipate a strong market. We're, we're seeing, and I'm, I'm in a mastermind with top agents all around the United States, and we're seeing that we have demand, we're just not having a supply. Okay. Uh, many sellers are still not certain about having people in their homes, although we give them as much assurance as we can that we're taking the precautions. We're doing, sure. you know, a lot of virtual tours for ways to show homes without bringing people in. Yeah. Uh, that being said, if a home is, is vacant or easy to show, they're, they're selling quickly. Okay. Um, and we actually are on track uh, in 2020, in 2019, our team sold 91 million, and we're in a high dollar volume. So nice. that was 100 houses, so about 900,000 is our average sales price. This year, we're at um, the end of May 2020, we're at 48 million. Um, so we're already okay. more than half. So I, but the the thing that I am seeing is that at this time of year, we would normally have a lot more inventory. Mm. Because starting in March, we as a team, but not just us, but the broader market would be putting on listings. And yeah. if you've been tracking, which I have, uh, the major market areas, that is not taking place. So, so does that mean in general terms, and I know it's kind of generalizing, but does that mean that if someone has a house that they were thinking about putting up for sale, it might be a great time now because there's not a lot of inventory, which means theoretically, you're going to get more for your house. There's going to be a little bit more of a bidding war situation potentially going on if you have a nice house. Um, so it's, it's a good time maybe as opposed to maybe waiting till next year, for example. Oh, absolutely. I am telling everybody that's thinking about selling. And it is a great opportunity for arbitrage um, yeah. because interest rates are so low. This is what we're seeing a lot of people going, oh my gosh, I could buy up because interest rates are so low. I could sell really well. I can buy up and I can you know, use that opportunity to get into my next home that maybe it would have been a couple of more years down the road. Now, right. these are people that have obviously secure jobs and not yeah. um, impacted by COVID. The people that can do that, this could be a great opportunity. Yeah. And the other thing that we're seeing is that when the financial market crash of 08 and the real estate market crash in 09, that happened that was a real estate crash based on the fact that people were borrowing more than they truly sure. could afford. Yep. And that is not the case in this market. Uh, people have a lot of equity. And as a general rule, we're, we're not seeing that type of situation occurring. Maybe if we have long unemployment, sure. it's, it could happen. Um, but in the, the short run, we're not seeing that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I've said this a few times recently. I, I actually saw this on, online. It was a video of a woman speaking and I, I can't, I can't give credit because I don't remember where I saw it exactly. But she was basically saying that this, the situation from a real estate perspective that we're in is, not, is a lot less like 2008 and 2009 where real estate was at the heart of the problem. It's a little bit more similar to 2001 after 9-11. There was some, there was some uh, people were afraid. Um, the, the, the market uh, had, had some impact because of just 
what was happening in society, but it, real estate wasn't at the heart of it, obviously. So there wasn't some humongous crash or something. And, and so, and uh, you didn't exactly say that, but I, but there was, there's some overlap and I don't think that it's, we should expect necessarily to see what happened at the, at 2008 where, where everything sort of went crazy in real estate, but there's going to be an impact. So if the bottom line here is, and I'm going to be perfectly honest, I'm thinking about selling my house. So I'm, I'm glad you answered that question for me. Um, it's I'm full steam ahead now. I'm, I'm I, I thought that, and now you've confirmed it. So that's good enough for me. Um, but before we get too far down the road here, I do want to talk about something because if anyone who's listened to this podcast before in the past, or certainly recently, um, I love it when I interview people who have something that they do that they're passionate about outside of real estate, outside of their business. And I want to talk about the front row foundation for a second, because I'm really, 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 I get excited when I see this kind of, you know, initiative in people's lives. So uh, if you don't mind, can you tell me a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely. So the five minute success, my podcast and the community uh, has taken on a philanthropic, philanthropic, partnership with the Front Row Foundation, John Broman, who I became acquainted with, with Hal Elrod, um, if you may know Hal from the Miracle Morning. Mm -hmm. And John is passionate about helping people. It, it's a wish organization and it, much like other wish organizations, but this one is for adults as well as children um, to live life on the front row. He had an experience where he went with you know, his friends to a concert or event and they were on the back row and they were looking at the people down in the front row. They go, they're having the experience. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, you know, he, re he reached a point in the library is like wanting to give back. And he says, I want to give that experience to people that this may be their, you know, memory of yeah. their, uh, what they wanted in their life. Um, as they were, you know, challenged with this, uh, a, some sort of life, uh, threatening event. Sure. And so they go full out, uh, you know, the limo picks them up. They usually get to meet the stars or meet the, you know, if they, if it's a performance type of thing or meet the sports, you know, peer people. And sure. uh, they, they actually are on the front row and then they do a video of the event so that the family and that person has a memory. And it's really uh, I, I know the folks. That's another thing that made me really want to partner with them is because I know that the resources are going to these um, experiences for people. But just the idea of living life on the front row. I love that philosophy because if you're living life on the front row, then you can have a front row moment wherever you are. And that's really what this is all about. Yeah, that's, that's so fantastic. I love that. I love that. I love that you're doing that. I love people who give back and it's not all about, you know, the money and you sort of actually, you said something earlier that I meant to touch on and I, I didn't get back to it, but um, you put out to the universe, a law of attraction for you is you want to help people. Right. And I think that there's a, there's a difference between that, putting that out to the universe, as opposed to, I want to be a millionaire or I want to, crush my sales quota. You know what I mean? Like that kind of a, the thought process. So I'm not saying that people don't want to crush your sales quota and they don't want to be a millionaire, but if you come at this with a, with a, from a position of trying to help and be helpful to people, um, those things come right. When you start helping people and, and trying to put that kind of stuff out in the universe before we go, I, and I know we're not going to do it a ton of service, unfortunately, but I, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, your flip time, love life book. I love this concept. I was looking at it uh, before we did when I was kind of doing some some research. Can you tell people what that is exactly? 
Well, so Flip Time Love Life came about because I myself had reached a high level of success and very wonderful multi-decade marriage to my husband and kids that are adults and self-sufficient and and what most people would say wow you have it all and I was like there's something else missing (laughs) and so that's what it actually I started on the the path of the creative endeavors writing the books and giving it back more with the podcast and uh, helping people and and find that the creativity and contribution is very rejuvenating. I've actually, my business has practically doubled since I started doing this. But the idea of, of flipping time is, is you may remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs from mm-hmm. your psychology years yep. or studies. And the idea that we have these physical needs at the base. Um, and if you think about COVID-19, everybody went back to the physical needs with yep. all of our stored <laughs> toilet paper. And then... <laughs> People, the safety, security needs. I mean, if you think about it, that's what this has really been impacting people as they just don't feel safe or secure, right? Sure. This un- invisible enemy, really. And they don't even know who might be potentially yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. infect them. And then people have these esteem needs, relationships needs, and then self-actualization is at the top. And it, it hit me that, or it came to me, this epiphany. I was like, well, what happens if you get to the top of the pyramid and you run out of time? And that happens with a lot of people. People say, yeah. I'll do it when. I'll do it when the kids leave home. Yeah. I'll do it when I retire. I'll do it whatever. I'll go on this trip. I'll go do this thing or I'll get involved in this organization then. But what if you run out of time? And I really think that the COVID-19 experience has had a similar type of, because I think what a lot of people were saying, and myself included, was that they were too busy to have time for self-actualization. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And people have realized, wow. You shouldn't wait, right? (laughs) Because this is all you got. And I think back to the things that I've done in my life uh, where I remember them and I look back on them and I go, I'm so glad I did that. And so that's the idea of flipping time. So it's flipping the pyramid and starting with self-actualization and then everything else in life becomes better or more meaningful. And some people go, oh, well, it's work-life balance or it's time management. I was like, yeah, the reason why those things don't work is because if you're looking at work and life and trying to balance it, that means something is being taken away from the other, right? Right. And same with time management. Well, it truly is a time management because time is, is a created thing. So the, what people really are saying is, is that they're, if they're not doing it, back to that quote by Lazu, is they just don't want to right so then what is stopping you and that was my biggest epiphany was that it was me stopping me and when i realized that i was like well that's good news because i can change me yeah that's huge and so i started focusing on self-actualization first yeah i love that that's huge and i think that's a problem i was reading uh into that and i feel that too sometimes like i've had success in areas that i was really striving for in my life especially years ago but sometimes it's at the expense of just my sanity. My, you know, I feel like I'm just being pulled in a hundred different directions. I told my wife, um, <laughs> this is really bad, but I said, after this year, like I, I know I've committed to things that I have to see through. I can't, I can't abandon things that I've committed to. But after this year, I have to simplify. I need to, I need to like focus a little more strategically on certain things and stop saying yes to everything. Because as soon as you say yes to everything, 
you know, you come, it comes to a point where you're not going to get everything done in a quality way. And, and I feel like I've hit a saturation point. So this is a good time for me to be introduced to this book for sure, because I think that that is, uh, that's me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm on this hamster wheel. Sometimes it feels like, and I need to get off. So, um, focus in a little bit of, of, uh, taking accountability for the time that I'm spending on things that I shouldn't. So, uh, I like that a lot. Well, listen, it was just awesome having you on here. You're ultra successful, but I, I really find that secondary to how, just how great of a person that you seem to be. And in the short time that we've talked and your foundation that you work with and the fact that unprompted, like I, I listen for things like, you know, I put out to the universe, I want to help people. I care about people. And those kind of things, I think it's not a coincidence when you find successful people are also a lot of times good people who do a lot of good things for the world. So um, thank you for that. Thank you for agreeing to be on the show. It's been my pleasure talking to you. And, and guys, I will put links in the show notes um, to the books, Real Estate Success in Five Minutes, The Secret of Top Agent Revealed, uh, Commit to Get Leads, The 66-Day Challenge, and Flip Time, Love Life. Uh, all that will be in the show notes, uh, all, as well as I will be uh, terrible if I forgot to say again, you have the Five Minute Success, the podcast. So guys, go check that out. You're already a podcast listener, obviously, uh, go and check out Karen's podcast uh, because it's great. I did listen to a few episodes, but, but again, just uh, try to understand more about you and, and you do a great job. You have a great podcast, so people should go and check that out. Well, this has been great and I'm just going to do another plug for just get started in real estate. <laughs> well, thank you. I always tell people that to me, sometimes that's the first hurdle is just getting started. Everyone sort of sits and thinks and like we talked about in the beginning, prepare to prepare, right? It's like, it's always this thing. So I say get out there and get started and, uh, and uh, we'll, you'll figure it out. So anyways, guys, uh, thanks for joining me on the show. Karen, thank you for being here again. You've been wonderful. It was a pleasure having you on, a real honor. And uh, stay healthy, stay safe. Uh, good luck to you for, for the rest of 2020 and beyond. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Karen was awesome. Uh, very cool of her to spend some time with us today, sharing her knowledge and wisdom about the industry and just about life in general. I love in, uh, interviewing good people who are just killers in, in their uh, chosen industry. And, and she is absolutely awesome. She's super successful and a really good person, which means something to me, especially when I'm looking for people to interview. So I hope you enjoyed listening to her. I hope you enjoyed learning from her. I know I did. Guys, uh, she said it a couple times. She reiterated this whole theme of this podcast is just start. So if you were inspired today, if you thought to yourself, if she can do it, I can do it. If there was any part of that that sparked something in you that made you want to pursue your dreams, get out there and just start. All right, guys, make today a great one. We'll see you next time.